I'm very excited about a new series of sermons for the next three weeks that I'll be sharing with you about. I'm calling the series Out of the Box. It's about spiritual gifts, or as this passage says, manifestations. Isn't it great that you are not on your own when it comes to your problems in life as a believer? But too often we try to handle things on our own. Have you heard the story, I've told it before, about a little boy who was out in his backyard trying to pick up a huge boulder, a big rock, and his dad watched him through the window. And he couldn't get it. He couldn't budge it. And his dad looked at him in a, with an affirming nod a time or two, and he just couldn't do it. And he came in and said, Dad, I tried all I could, and I couldn't move that rock. And he said, did you use everything that was available to you? And he said, I did, Dad. And his dad said, no, you didn't, son, because you haven't asked me to help you. As we look at this passage, this is the beauty of the gifts that God gives us. They go beyond our abilities. And whatever your problem, whatever your situation, whatever your need, God is bigger than anything you could bring to the table. Any wisdom you have, any strength you have, any knowledge you have, any gifting you have. And so we ask him to help us. And he wants to help us. Isn't that cool that God says, I want to add my supernatural strength to your situation to help you. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. So here he's going to talk about a diversity of gifts, and he lists nine of them. I'm going to take three of those today and, and three for the next two weeks after, and I'm going to split them into three categories. And these, these are just People do it in a lot of ways, but I want to talk about the discerning gifts today, but next week I'll talk about what I call the dynamic gifts, and then I'll talk about the declarative gifts in, uh, in three weeks. But there, there are some key factors to consider as we look at this passage that I want to talk through for just a little bit. This is kind of a, a little teaching to keep us balanced, and that is what this passage is really all about, believe it or not, is, is balance, even though we're getting out of the box, out of our own abilities, uh, we stay within the confines of, uh, of God's work. So here's some key factors in considering the, the use of spiritual gifts. And the first is this. Spiritual gifts are sometimes abused. We all know that. Um, God was bringing, as a matter of fact, in this passage, correction because the Corinthians were abusing the gifts. This whole passage was to bring correction to people who were, who were overdoing it. 1 Corinthians uh, 12.1 says this. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be ignorant. I like the way it reads in the uh, New Living Testament. It says, I must correct your misunderstandings about them concerning the gifts. So there's some misunderstanding and some trouble. And this passage was written uh, to, um, to, to, to keep people within the confines that are God's boundaries. Uh, the Corinthians were operating in the gifts, but it appears that they were overemphasizing or... Um, Maybe the biggest problem, they were prideful. Have you ever seen someone who really prides themselves in having a, a gift of prophecy or, or some, one of these gifts that's listed? And it really, it really becomes a big problem when that happens because uh, here's the deal. You're not the gift. I'm not the gift. The Holy Spirit brings the gift. The gift comes from God. And it, it, they're called grace gifts, uh, charisma. And grace means it's an unmerited thing. 
that he just shows up because he's good and he's loving and it's not because uh, you're more special than anyone else, it's because he is special. And the Corinthians uh, had begun to abuse the gifts and part of their problem was uh, they thought they were uh, uh, the ones that were, that were the gift. Here's a second thought that I see before we get into it, the use of these gifts. The gifts are for the benefit of the church and are to be eagerly, eagerly desired. Now, so I just said that there's abuse with the gifts, right? It's true. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Here's the deal. The baby is precious. The baby is great. We need to keep the baby and get rid of the dirty water. That's what we need to do. So some people will approach this passage and they'll say, well, they're trying to bring correction and they'll give you the idea of stay away from the gifts. Uh, because there's just, you know, there's a lot of trouble that can happen there. No, that's not the point. The point is, okay, we want this to continue, but we want it to be right and not wrong. We want it to be good and not bad. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, and it's the balance to the correction that's being brought. But eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I show you the most excellent way. So eagerly desire gifts, which means uh, God likes it when there's even a sense of anticipation that we're gonna allow him to work in us and through us and to speak to us in special ways. He wants us to be hungry to, to receive, eagerly desire. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So, they're for the benefit of the church. That's why we don't want the gifts and the manifestations to disappear because the church benefits and that means that you benefit. Uh, remember that the context of this passage is it was speaking of these gifts being used in a public fashion. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Uh, it's not so important, that, for instance, decent and in order if you're at home and you receive a word that's wisdom, you're gonna call your friend on the phone. Um, but when you get in an assembly, he was saying, look, people are just popping up and doing their own thing. I like, uh, there's an there's a insert in your bulletin that, we, that I've put in the bulletin for a number of years, probably 15 or 20 times over 17 years. Uh, we have put that in there. You are safe here. And I'd like you to take a look at that. We're gonna put it in there for the next three weeks. You don't have to read it now. I'll make reference to it in, in, in just a moment. But we believe that the gifts are for today and the gifts are for, are, are for the church. But, well, since you're grabbing it and I got you going, take a look at the back page. And um, there's an underlying portion at the top there, but the heading says, our welcome to spiritual gifts will never violate the word. Isn't that nice to know? That, that, you're, that your servant leaders in this church have a heart not to violate the word when it comes to these gifts. And, and by the way, I wanna give credit uh, this is adapted from an insert from Jack Hayford, who I think is a man who, uh, who has tremendous balance, and we, we adapted a little bit for our usage and got permission, but um, that's why it sounds really smarter than I can be, because Jack Hayford wrote it. So if you look at that, at that line there at the bottom that's underlined under that heading I just read, graciousness in ministry, submissiveness in spirit, and order in operation of the gifts is scriptural and therefore insisted upon in this assembly. We don't let people come in here and say in the name of Jesus, we've decided we're gonna take over this service. No, you can't do that because we have a focus and a purpose that we're headed towards here. The Spirit has been working to prepare even this sermon before you show up and even those, the music and, and you come in with prepared hearts and the Lord might speak into something and, 
and, and we invite him to do what he wants. And if you want to know my heart, this is my heart. I really want God to do what God wants to do. I don't want to hinder anything he wants to do. On the other hand, I don't want to try to conjure up something that's not of the spirit just to try to show somebody I'm spiritual or we're spiritual. Uh, God does lots of stuff in lots of ways and his spirit will manifest itself in different assemblies in, 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 in different ways. Here, we're not a hugely demonstrative romp em, stomp em, helicopter spinning church. You know, we're just, we're not, that's not who we are. And the Lord seems to show up in a quiet and a gentle way, but the gifts do move among us as they do, I might add, among most believers. Now, I believe that there are a lot of people who move in these gifts that don't even know they are. As a matter of fact, I have some, uh, some good friends who will say that these gifts have ceased and they've passed away. And I'm not even going to talk about that today because 20 years ago, people were saying that a lot. Most of the evangelical church in America today believes the gifts are for today. And we're, gonna, we're just going to talk on, on that basis about it. But I have friends who don't believe in these gifts and I see them operate in them. It's just funny to me, you know. They get a word of wisdom and I just want to say to them, you know, you're pretty smart, but you're not that smart, okay? That, that came from a little, uh, you know, a different place that you may not be aware of. But anyway, they're for today and they're for the benefit of the church, so we need them. It's for the common good. It's for the profit of the church. It'll profit you as an individual. Another thought, the gifts were only to be used when they were practiced in a decent and orderly manner. I've touched on that already. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.40 says this, that all things be done decently and in order. I guess it's fair to ask the question, whose order? Because it's not supposed to be my order or your order. It's supposed to be God's order. I, I yield to that. However, it's not whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, banging, uh, you know, off the doors and, 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 uh, and, and becoming a distraction. I like a line in that, that insert you're safe here that says, we worship as a choir and chorus, not as soloists in competition. You know, I, I'm not even that fond when one person stands up and everybody's sitting down and they start to worship. I'm not very fond of that. You know why? Because who is everybody looking at at that moment? Now that person may mean in their hearts nothing by it except praise to the Lord. The problem I have as a pastor is everybody's looking at you now instead of at Jesus. And what I prefer is that we all work together. When Kenny says stand, we stand. And when we're moving, we're, we're worshiping and, 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 and we're not bringing attention to ourselves purposefully or unpurposefully. It, it can happen either way with, uh, with, with good motives. Well, uh, the, the point here is decent and in order. And you know, the, the charisma, the gifts uh, were unleashed in the Catholic Church uh, about 30 years ago. And I like what... Um, uh, one Catholic charismatic writer named Killian McDonald said, listen to this, he said, discernment of spirits is one of the major ongoing problems of the renewal. It should be remembered that the final judgment as to the authenticity of the charisma belongs to those who preside over the church and whose special competence it belongs not, uh, I'm sorry, and to whose special competence it belongs not indeed to extinguish the spirit, but to test all things and hold fast to that which is good. And that's why that insert your safe here is there. That's why I say the gifts must be pastored. God will speak. Now look, I know I'm speaking of myself, but, but, but you know this sermon goes out to others on the podcast as well. God will speak to the leader in discerning ways and ways that he doesn't speak to the rest of the body. Part of the reason I know that 
is because he, when I stepped into positions of authority, I would see something coming that I'd never seen before that would speak to me about overall direction. Not only something way out there, but something that is immediate right now. The Lord speaks in a unique way to, to the leaders. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your spiritual leaders. Here's the principle in the word. And do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. Now trust me, I tried to talk the Lord out of having me watch over anybody's souls for about 10 years because it just seemed like way too much to bear. And I, I thought there had to be better candidates than me, but I eventually had to yield, and so I take it very seriously. That's one of the reasons that I was running to start with because I knew it was serious business to, to watch over the souls of, of people. Uh, someone said to me this week, are you nervous when you preach? I'm nervous almost every time before I get up, and here's why. Life and death is on, it's on the line every time I step up. If, if I don't rightly divide this word, people are hurt. And uh, I want to be a faithful servant of the Lord. I want to be a blessing to you. I study to show myself approved. I pray a lot before I ever get up here. And I, and I, and I take it serious because look what the rest of the um, passage says. Uh, it says, uh, it says, obey your spiritual leaders. Their work is to watch over your souls and they know they are accountable to God. That's what I was just speaking of. Give them reason to do this joyfully and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Now, I'll tell you this. If I go to another church and I like going to churches and, you know, churches that aren't necessarily considered themselves charismatic or Pentecostal, I can always tell if the Spirit of God's in the house. If they lift up Jesus, they honor his word very rarely do I not like a place if that's happening. I get excited that they're lifting up Jesus and the word is, is going forward. But there are some that are a little rowdy for, for me and then there are some that, you know, I, I, I think, hey, notify your face. Jesus is written, risen, and he's written too, but he's risen. <clears throat> but never would I go into a place and insist that that pastor or somebody else should do something that I think. You know why? Because God is leading them for that congregation God has manifold wisdom that shows itself in a thousand million different ways and he's showing himself beautifully in in assemblies that don't do it all the same. Well, I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but but the gifts must be pastored and we must look to to leadership and if we're gonna be at the church, we must work with that leadership. Now, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the singles group and Pastor Alex, he's a spiritual overseer there. I'm I'm talking about Pastor Roger. I'm talking about the shepherding groups and these leaders. We have said we trust these people in those settings. And at times we have to look to them to to, to bring some uh, some leadership into situations if things are getting out of line or if sometimes it's just to say, this is good, this is the Lord. And we can feel comfortable in knowing that we have uh, spiritual covering. You say, well, the Lord speaks to me too. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that but you haven't been placed over authority in those situations. And spiritual authority should be honored and it's appropriate. And if it's not, that's when it'll go awry in the Corinthian church. Everybody was coming in, doing whatever they want, standing up, speaking in tongues, shouting something out, telling someone else to sit down, talking at the same time. Well, doesn't it make sense that there should be some sort of governance over that? So God's given us his words for, for his word for boundaries and he's given us leaders to help us uh, manage uh, what, what is going on in those, in those settings. Um, and, and then next, the, their, their purpose when it comes to the gifts is to point the way to Jesus as Lord. 
Just so you know, I, I grew up in a, a, a neo-Pentecostal atmosphere. Neo means a, a lot. That's, you know, we'll just say it that way. So that's my definition. People would get, put their tennis shoes on to get a good grip on the wall in, in the services that, that I, that I grew, grew up in. I saw the spirit move, and trust me, I saw the flesh move uh, uh, along the way as well. There's probably nothing about your tradition that you came from that I, that I don't understand if you've come from a Pentecostal tradition. Uh, I understand there's much good about that. I understand it can go awry, it can go astray, and it can do more damage. It's kind of like fire. Fire's great if it's contained in a fireplace, you know? I mean, it's really nice. Around a fire, you can warm yourself. It warms. Fire illuminates. Fire, unrestrained, uncontrolled, will destroy. It killed one of my family members. My brother, before I was born, died in a fire, a house fire that we had at our house. And, 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 and though there is a spirit's fire, the spirit's fire, there is a fire that, that, that does good, and then there's that which destroys, and, 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 it's, and it's when it's uncontained, out of control, and people go their way doing whatever they want, not listening, not restrained in, in any, um, any sort of way. Well, the purpose of the gifts is to point the way to Jesus, not to say, hey, we're spiritual, you know, people go from place to place looking for a high with... Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the healings or whatever. I, I'd like to point out to you the book of Acts, that there are all kinds of gifts that are moving incredibly, not just in the church, but in their homes and on the streets. Just so you know, it was written over a 30-year period, the book of Acts. <clears throat> that wasn't happening <clears throat> like every time they walked out on the street. And I think if you're not careful, although I'd like to see miracles on the street, I have before, uh, I, I want to see the work of God happen. When you get to the place where you're just trying to uh, get to uh, that which, which somehow is, is exciting and vibrant and, and I, honestly, people try to do the spirit like they do drugs sometimes. That may sound weird to you, but it's an adrenaline rush and a high. And it can get to a place where it's unhealthy if that's not what it's about with the balance of everything else. But when the gifts move, God's the one who distributes the gifts. He's always trying to point to Jesus. When the Holy Spirit moves, listen to this. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus and Jesus always points to the Father. You watch it in the Word. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus and Jesus always points to the Father. So, here's what it says. These are the words of Jesus Christ. John 15, 26. But I will send you the counselor, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will tell you all about me. Isn't that cool? The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is gonna come to you and tell you all about me. The Holy Spirit will lead to Jesus Christ. It won't lead to someone else being demonstrative and people just uh, checking them out and thinking, wow, aren't they spiritual dudes? Aren't they just, uh, you know, an, an am- aren't they amazing? I'll tell you one of the things, and it's, 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 it's tricky. One of the things that, that, that will help us discern, that's one of the gifts I'm gonna talk about in a moment, what's of the Lord or not. If you walk out of a place and you say, that guy was amazing, something's wrong. If you walk out of a service and your thought is, that lady is, is unbelievably amazing, something's wrong. Because when it's happening right, it will always come to this. Jesus is amazing. Can you believe what God is doing? God moves for his benefit, uh, to benefit us, but he will, he will point to himself because the more of him that we get, the more of Jesus we get, uh, the more 
Our lives are blessed in every way. So the Holy Spirit leads to Jesus. The purpose of the gifts is to call attention to Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's also to emphasize his lordship in our lives. When the gifts move, they're emphasizing the lordship of, of Jesus Christ in our lives. Another thought, they should never violate the truth of God's word. And I've talked about this, so I'll go over it quickly. The gifts can never take the place of the word of God. You know, when someone says, uh, God told me that you're supposed to divorce your husband and marry me. Well, I mean, that's extreme and, and ridiculous. I tried to make it such so we could see it. But we know that, that, that if you don't have scriptural reason to divorce, you shouldn't. And, and there's only one scriptural reason that's allowed. You don't have to, but it's, it's allowed. And that's if your spouse commits adultery against you. And then the Lord permits you. Jesus said, I'll permit you to put them away. It means if there's a hole that's so big in your heart that you can't trust again, you can let them go and I won't hold it against you and I'll let you move on with your life. That's essentially the compassion of God coming to those who are cast aside by someone they love who meant, who meant it when they said their vows. But, but God's not gonna let them be rejected their whole lives long because someone else won't love them. God will let them put them away and he'll even bring someone into their lives to bless them and love them who will uh, have that heart. And, and I know God can heal and that's the way we always work when there's trouble uh, between couples. We always try to work for restoration. But, but, but the point is, you wouldn't put your spouse away if you didn't have scriptural reasoning. And, and so you can know that that word's not of God because it doesn't honor or follow the word of God. If it doesn't follow the word of God, that, then, it's, then it's false. We can't violate the word. The Bereans in Acts 17, it says that they were of noble character, more than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures. It's okay. It's not only okay, it's great to examine the scriptures and make sure within scriptural boundaries and those gifts aren't, uh, aren't moving in such a way or so-called gifts as to violate the truth of the Lord. The, 2 Timothy 3 says, all scripture's inspired by God. It's useful, it says, uh, to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out. It teaches us what to do what is right. So we need the word of God. We need the boundaries. It fully equips us uh, for things, every good thing that God wants us to do, the scriptures say. So the gifts should work in harmony with the scriptures, and they should be utilized within the boundaries laid down by God's, by God's word. And they operate most effectively in the life of balanced believers. I wouldn't be following any words from anyone who wasn't living right, for instance. You know, if, uh, if, if they're uh, uh, smoking, drinking, cussing, uh, uh, you know, not caring about anything of the truth of God uh, when it comes to their own personal lives, but then speaking about what you should do in your life, don't, I wouldn't follow anybody who wasn't living, uh, wasn't living the example. I like what Reinhard Bonnke said. He said, a ship must be underway before it can be steered. Now we're talking about the things of the spirit, you know, uh, the gifts moving through people's lives. Meaning, uh, you can't steer a ship when it's just sitting in a port. It, it's just, there it is. And, and it has to be moving. And so here's what Bonnke means. We walk, but we walk in the spirit, led by the spirit. This is a matter of our whole Christian life. So now we're looking at the life of, Believers as these gifts move. Prayer, Bible, ministry, fellowship, obedience. When the ship's underway in all these ways, uh, there's a convergence where the gifts can be used in a pure and an unadulterated way. And uh, I think it's important that we, we don't violate the truth of God's word and that we, uh, we follow people who see that truth as, as valuable. Uh, and and, and we, don't, we don't receive things from people who, who aren't uh, examples uh, 
of, of uh, God and his love. Okay, another one. I'm trying to move quick here. I've got a lot of material today. The correct motivation and method for the gifts is love. Did you know that 1 Corinthians 13 was written about the gifts? Uh, that's a little known fact in the church, it seems. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the love chapter, it's spoken. Look, look how the love, uh, first, first of all, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So when he says, I want to show you a more excellent way, he's saying the more excellent way is in love. It's this decent and in order, yes, but it's a motivation of love. Now, I'm going to bring 1 Corinthians 13 out later, and we'll talk about it in one of the coming sermons. Um, but I want to point out uh, expressly now in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, when it starts, it says, it's, it's just come off this list of manifestations of the Spirit in chapter 12. We start chapter 13 by, by, by talking about the gifts. If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. And that's kind of what I've been referring to, people out, out there in the zone. Then, then the end of that passage that says love keeps no record of wrongs and it tells us, and I believe it applies for marriage. I think God's love applies in every scenario. But what I want you to know is it was written in the context of the way the gifts should move. So if someone is mean-spirited, and uh, they're controlling with the gifts, it's not the right way. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, uh, after that list of uh, how love works, and it says love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. So it starts talking about the gifts in chapter one, and after that list is over, it, 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 it sandwiches it again talking about the gifts with prophecy there. So Paul's more excellent way is, is the love chapter Carl Barth, rather, one of the most eminent Bible scholars of the 20th century, summed up everything he knew by quoting the children's hymn. Now, this is one of the great scholars of the 20th century, and he said, the best thing I could tell you, the greatest theology I could ever show you is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that, the simplicity of God's love coming to us, when he comes, God is love. The Bible says love never fails in that passage. So God is love, love never fails. Those gifts will move with the heart of love. It may be that restoration is needed. It may be that some correction is needed. I'm not saying that, that those things aren't applicable. I'm just saying that the spirit of it will be redemption. The spirit of it will be love. That's the way God's gifts function. Um, well, let's, let's go to the discerning gifts now. <clears throat> oh boy, I got, a, well, I got three that I'm gonna wrap up real quick. I just felt that that was very important before we started the series here. Uh, to, to know that those, those things are very necessary as prerequisites to, to the gifts moving among us and in our lives. Um, and, and now, the, the, the discerning of spirits, 1 Corinthians 12, 10. I'm gonna jump to that one first, the discerning gifts. It says, to another, distinguishing between spirits will be given. Here's the definition for the discerning of spirits. Uh, I think a pretty good definition. Discerning of spirits is a God-given ability to know what is truly of the Spirit of God and what comes from other spirits. You see, what are other spirits? Well, there's, a, there's an evil spirit. Satan, actually, I mean, there really are demons in this, uh, in this world. Uh, Jesus cast out demons, I believe, six times in the New Testament. And um, there, are, there are evil spirits. But there's also the spirit of man or a human spirit. That's referred to in the Bible. And sometimes it's just the flesh. People mean well, but they, I remember one lady, she took off speaking in tongues in a service. And um, I said, well, let's wait for an interpretation. This was probably 12 years ago. It didn't come. And I said, the word says that 
Uh, if there's no interpreter, that the one who gave the tongue should interpret, and we're going to wait for a second. I put the heat back on her, you know, and, and um, afterwards, uh, not, not, she tried something, and she spoke out some praise, but what happened was she got all excited about her own personal prayer language, and, and she blurted that out in the service. It wasn't for everyone. So I went to her in the gentlest of ways that I uh, possibly could and said, look, I really appreciate your heart, but what, what I believe happened this morning is your praise overflowed in that tongue and that was not for the body. And the, and the Bible says, if the tongue's not for the body, to be silent and speak to yourself because it edifies you, but it's not edifying the church. And so it wasn't really appropriate that day. I believe it could be appropriate in assembly. We still allow for it here, uh, but I'll talk about it. Prophecy, the Bible says prophecy's a better way. And I like it because we don't have to, you know, it's just one language and here we go. And you can bring that up and I can judge that as you wrote it down in, in many settings before it gets to the body and I have to make someone look bad. Uh, and, and often I'll get a note and I'll, I'll just think that's the Lord and move right into it and say, someone just handed me this. You, you hear it from time to time. So I'll talk more about that later. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, but as we look at the distinguishing of spirits or the discerning of spirits, it's spoken those two words in different passages. Uh, we see it in Acts 16. Do you remember when Paul and Silas were in Philippi and um, they were preaching the gospel and there was a young lady following them and look at the statement she said. And you tell me if this sounds like a good thing and a spiritual thing. She followed along behind us shouting, it says, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now that is true. But did you know even true things, people can say them in ways that are, that are obnoxious, that irritate the whole service and stop the, stop the spirit of God from moving? When you're yelling out, I mean, just think if someone kept yelling out in this service, these men are servants of the Most High God. I mean, I just want to say, would you shut up? I'm trying to, he's trying to speak right now and you're stopping him. I mean, that, that can happen. This was not of the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, it was an evil spirit trying to irritate and stop the work of God. How would you know that when the message that they're speaking seems to be uh, so true? Well, the discerning or the distinguishing of the spirits. This went on day after day, so not just once or twice. Day after day she was doing this until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and spoke to the demon within her. There's the discerning of spirits. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her he said, and it instantly left her. Well, Paul was made aware by, by the Spirit of God that her actions were of the devil, and that was the discerning or the distinguishing of spirits. I remember probably 15 years ago, Pastor Tom, who was playing guitar up here, I call him Pastor Tom, he was on staff, he was a pastor, he's an elder now, but a great brother, many of you know him. And there was a lady in our church who grew up in a home where her dad was a satanic priest. I mean, there, there are scenarios like that. And um, we had gone over to pray for her five or six times, and it was very troubling. Nothing would happen every time we'd go over there. And there was so much fear in her uh, that, that, honestly, there was a temptation for fear for us. You know, and she'd talk about the devil, and, but we, you know, we'd just pray. And so I was thinking and contemplating about these things, and they went on for a couple weeks where we were probably praying for her five or six times. And it was troubling my spirit. And one day, and in retrospect, it's easier to say these things, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart, and said, she was sent to be a distraction to you. She does not want to be delivered. So the next time we got together with, with her, she called us over, her husband kept wanting us to come, and we went over to her house, and I said to her, would you say something before we pray? Would you say to me, Jesus is Lord? And she wouldn't say it. And uh, I said, you know what? I, 
I, I want you to know that God loves you very much, but I'm not going to pray for you anymore because you don't want to be delivered. And uh, when, you, when you're ready and you want to be delivered, you let us know because I have no doubt that God will deliver you. And all, all of that, you know, oppression from the enemy, that it just fell away. We went back to working with people in the church, loving people, helping people, and we weren't distracted anymore. I don't think I can know things like that except the Spirit of the Lord comes to help me discern and help you discern, and those things are sometimes necessary. A word of wisdom. Um, let me just say this about a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. Some people think this is like the gift of teaching, and, and I don't think that's what it's about, and I'll tell you why. Ephesians 4 talks about ministry gifts. I'm not covering that in the next three weeks, but it says pastors, apostles, prophets, and teachers. Those are ministry gifts, and, and there's a gift that the Lord puts upon a life. These are things that are, that are more immediate for now to solve a problem. These are things that sometimes won't show up in the Bible. Should I move uh, to Oklahoma, you're... You know, I don't know. There might be a passage in there. It says, y'all go. But I haven't, I haven't, I haven't found it. And, and so, so sometimes the Lord would lead us in our life in specific ways. And these things are more immediate, specific. Uh, and I don't think we always get something like this in those scenarios. But at times the Lord will show up to, to help us in these ways for, uh, for sure. First uh, Corinthians 12, 8 to, to 1, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Here's a definition for that. The word of wisdom is supernatural direction given by God to answer a question or solve a problem. Example, Jesus is, is, uh, in John 8, um, approached, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says we're to stone her, what do you say? And they were trying to trap him, it says, into saying something they would use against him. Going against the word of God, which to them was the Old Testament. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I've heard people suggest he wrote the names of the people that were there, ready to stone her, that had actually been with her. Uh, you know, as a, as a prostitute. I don't know what he wrote, but I, I know it, uh, it gave them pause. <laughs> it's, it seems that that's what happened. Verse 7, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, now... Here's, here's the wisdom that, that, on, that only God has that, he, that we see Jesus display where you can't trap Jesus. I mean, uh, you're, you're just not thinking right if you're gonna, if you're gonna trap Jesus, you know, into, into thinking your way. And, and um, Jesus said, all right, stoner, but let those who have never sinned throw the first stone. And you have to throw it down and move on because you know you have, Right? And so, so Jesus comes with the word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is necessary when you're faced with a choice that's difficult in life sometimes. Uh, it'll apply specifically to a situation like that, but it might be direction for you to go. Here's what I want you to know. I mean, we're talking about gifts. The Lord really wants to help you. He wants to show you. He's more eager to show you the way to go than you are to ask him about it. And James 1.5 says this. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. Another passage says you don't have because you haven't asked. Ask him, and he will gladly tell you. It's not just he will tell you. He's really glad to tell you. He will not resent your asking. I needed a word of wisdom once. Um, <clears throat> we were at the Fine Arts Festival this, uh, this week, actually. Um, was it Friday? Friday, Saturday. And... Um, watching all these kids perform, hundreds from Oregon, and they were learning about ministry and, and being judged. And, 
and focus towards the future to help them with, uh, with their skill and their heart towards, towards the, the fine arts, music and photography and all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a cool deal. I used to oversee this event as the district youth director for Oregon and the Assemblies of God. And um, I remember standing at the back of a room and listening to a girl sing and she, I honestly thought that is the worst singer I have ever heard in my life. I mean, it was painful to listen to her sing. She didn't even cross the note, you know, going to the wrong note. I mean, nothing, it was just, she was tone deaf. And so, uh, <clears throat> that was difficult for me. I'm a lover of music, I sing, I've done a couple CDs, I, I enjoy great music. I don't enjoy bad music. And, you know, be, the, the Lord says make a joyful noise so everybody here gets to sing. Didn't say be on tune. But you might not get to do a solo, you know, if you, if, you, if you can't sing. She walked right off that stage, right back to the back door, and asked me, because I was the leader in that setting, how did I do? And I just thought, you're the worst thing I ever heard in my life, you know, and I, I can't say what I'm, you know, I wanted to say, have you tried photography? But I, I just knew, I just knew that probably would wound her, and, and I literally under my breath said, oh, Jesus, help me. And I just heard, felt this coming out. Uh, I think you did the very best that you could possibly do. And she said, thank you. Let me tell you, that was a word of wisdom because I couldn't think of anything to say at that moment uh, that would have helped her at all. And I, uh, but you know, mama, daddy, show up and guide her. Please help her get to the right spots because I know she's gifted somewhere. Anyway, God will, God will give us wisdom and, and help us in, in a number of settings. A word of knowledge, last one here this morning. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. The word of knowledge is a supernatural, here's the definition, a supernatural revelation by God about others that could not otherwise have been known. It's a supernatural revelation by God about, it's not prophetic. Prophetic is future. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. This is knowledge that is probably known but could not have known, been known by the person who spoke it. And what that'll do, this is the kind of thing that'll really get the attention of the person being ministered to. And, it, and, and I've, I've been there many times before where they say, how did you know that? Well, you didn't. I didn't. We didn't. The Spirit of God will reveal something to people sometimes to, uh, to get their attention. Do you remember the woman at the well in John four seventeen? She said... Um, when Jesus asked her, he said, where's your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And here's a very profound statement. Sir, you must be a prophet. I, f- I find that humorous, you know, when he speaks into her life in that, in that way. But you know, God loves people so much, he'll just do things supernaturally to get their attention and then he'll just lavish his love. He didn't condemn her. Are you catching that? Jesus did not condemn, condemn this woman. He was getting her attention so he might reveal to, him, to her how great his love for her was and how he longs for a better way. And I promise you, if she's having that much struggle in her life, she's feeling like she's not loved. And Jesus is, is showing up to, to give her love and that was a word of knowledge. And you see, does God still work that way today? We find nothing in the Bible that says that the gifts have ceased. Um, even though there's abuse, uh, I can tell you there have been some really weird things that have been spoken to me 
uh, through the years. I'll, I'll share more down the line that weren't of God at all, that people were sharing as the gifts. And the Bible says test everything. We're supposed to test these things to see if they're good. You don't get to just say and act like you're super spiritual without people testing it, running it through uh, the filter of the word of God and, and uh, checking the spirit of it, as I've been saying, discerning. But, but here we also see that, there, that Jesus did, and he'll give words. I remember one of the first times I was used in, the, uh, in this gift, a, a word of knowledge. I was a young basketball player at George Fox in school, married to Karen, sitting at a church there in Newburgh. I have a, one of my best friends pastors at this church now. He, did, he didn't at the time. And um, there was an altar time. You know, in the old days, people would come down on a Sunday night and they'd all kneel down and pray and people would just sit there and some worship would go on. And that was the setting and I had prayed. I'd been up front praying. I went and sat down. And I had this distinct inkling. I mean, it, just, it was distinct. It wasn't audible, but I, but I heard it. I want you to go up to Kent Minor and tell him that I have called him and I am going to use him. Well, listen, I, I never heard anything like this before in my life. And I, I don't like nonsense. So much so that it's a temptation for me not to be used in the gifts because I want it to be so real, I'm not open sometimes, at least in the early days. And I was like, what? No, Kent. Here's my thought. I thought, Kent knows you. Is that the Lord? Because Kent's way more spiritual than me. That must not be God, because God could talk to Kent. That was my thinking. And then I heard it again. I want you to go up and tell Kent Minor. I, I want you to go to him now. He was at the altar praying. Tell him that I have called him. I am going to use him in full-time ministry. I thought, oh, man. Oh, and I started sweating, and I, I don't know. And uh, how can I? And then I had this thought, well, uh, if it's God, he could show me. And I, so I said, God, if this is really you, would you have Kent Minor turn and look at me right now? And God is my witness. That guy's down at the altar and he goes like this and he looks back at me. And I went something like, <laughs> I did a mow or a curly or whatever those, whoop, 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 whoop. You know, I didn't know what was, what was going on. And I thought, oh man. And now I'm thinking, well, it might not be God. You know, I'm still struggling and that could be coincidence. And then I thought, you know, I'd rather try and miss than not try at all. And can I say this in all humility? I mean this. If you're not willing to make a mistake, you'll never grow in the gifts. I don't want you to make one on purpose, but you have to be open to the Lord working and moving or you'll never broach any of this. And so I thought, well, I'd rather try and miss than, than not try at all because it seems, you know, it's quite an impression going on here. So I went up to Kent. I knelt beside him and I was just crying already. I was just all nervous. I said, Kent, I know you're a man of God and I don't quite get this and I could be wrong. And I set it all up like that, you know. <clears throat> Ironically, it's when someone is humble that the gifts move in the best way, not when someone is proud and really self-assured. And uh, I, I didn't really know all, all that at the time. I didn't know much of anything. And that's why I say, although <clears throat> purity is used for the gifts, it's not always uh, the, the spiritually mature that bring it. I'm just telling you from experience on that. But purity is, is necessary for the gifts to move. And <clears throat> so I said, Kent, I set it up that way and said, Kent, here's what I thought the Lord said, you judge. And I said, God said he has called you, that he is going to use you in full-time ministry. And he just, bleh, started crying. I was like, I know, that's what I told him. I'm sorry, you know. And, 
It took him about five minutes and he was done crying. He said, Stan, I have felt at three different points in my life through the years that God distinctly spoke to me and told me that I was gonna be in full-time ministry. And he said, I'm over 50 and I've never been in ministry. And I had started to believe that it was just me and he hadn't really spoken and I should just move on with my life. Well, that's kind of a cool story, but it's even cooler when a year later he went to be a senior pastor in the state of New England. I, I mean, those are the ways you really tell if these things are of God. It's time, time that will, 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 will test these things. And so is, here's what I'd like you to know. Isn't it just cool that God will help us? Isn't it cool we can get out of the box of our own abilities? Isn't it cool that we have boundaries to guide us so that we don't have to put up with nonsense that'll hurt everybody? hurt ourselves. Isn't it cool that the Lord says, test it. Give it some time. Isn't it cool he shows us that when there's humility, it's his grace that comes and and does it. These things are so cool. He wants to lead and guide and show you. And if you have a big rock that you can't move, he just says, have you asked me? Will you let me help you? Ask me for wisdom and I'll give it. 